Hi, you're listening to Stefan Lavera Podcast, a show about Bitcoin and Austrian economics. Today for episode 410, my guest is Pete Rizzo. He is an editor at Bitcoin Magazine, and we're talking about the principles of Bitcoin maximalism. Now, there's been a lot of discussion about this over the last few months, articles, discussion online, and so on. But I think it is interesting and important to have Bitcoin maximalists decide what that role is for themselves, as opposed to having that put onto them by somebody else. This show is brought to you by Swan Bitcoin, the easy way to buy Bitcoin and learn about Bitcoin. Swan is organizing a conference. It's called Pacific Bitcoin. It's on the 10th and the 11th of November in LA, California this year. I'll be one of the hosts. There's going to be a range of awesome Bitcoiners there, whether that's speakers or just everyday Bitcoiners that you know and love from Bitcoin Twitter. There will be all kinds of fun events also. There'll be a Swan Dome with deep dive sessions. There'll be a Bitcoin Lab and all kinds of other sports and gaming associated things to give you a a flavor of Bitcoin, but also a bit of fun associated with it. So you don't want to miss this one, particularly if you're in the area or you've got friends and family who you think they could really benefit from coming to a Bitcoin event like this. So go to pacificbitcoin.com and use the code Levera to get a discount on your tickets. They are rising in price over time, so you want to get in now. Welcoming a new sponsor to the show, it's bitbo.io. This is a dashboard that you can use as a one-stop shop to keep an eye on the Bitcoin ecosystem. So you can see the Bitcoin price, you can see an article feed, you can see blockchain statistics, difficulty stats, mining fees, as well as lightning statistics. These are all different things that you can use to keep an eye on the ecosystem. I also like to keep an eye on the sats per dollar, which is useful if you're doing some mental maths around what how much Bitcoin you're paying for things or receiving for things. So that website is bitbo.io. It's a great one to bookmark or to period periodically check. That's B-I-T-B-O dot I-O. If you're in the market for Bitcoin hardware, my favorite is the cold card, available over at coinkite.com. The cold card looks like a little calculator, but it is a highly recommended Bitcoin wallet with so many different features and very, very versatile. It's been designed in a way to be very secure while giving you all kinds of options and methods that you can use to further secure your Bitcoin, whether that's using it as part of multi-signature or whether it's using the address explorer on the device. This is a great way to practically check which addresses are controlled and owned by the private keys residing on your Bitcoin cold card. And this can help you by making sure that you don't receive into a bad address or malicious address. So if you're interested to get your cold card, go over and get yours at coinkite.com and use the code Levera to get a discount on your cold cards. Welcoming a new sponsor to the show, it's bitbo.io. This is a dashboard that you can use as a one-stop shop to keep an eye on the Bitcoin ecosystem. So you can see the Bitcoin price, you can see an article feed, you can see blockchain statistics, difficulty stats, mining fees, as well as lightning statistics. These are all different things that you can use to keep an eye on the ecosystem. I also like to keep an eye on the sats per dollar, which is useful if you're doing some mental maths around what how much Bitcoin you're paying for things or receiving for things. So that website is bitbo.io. It's a great one to bookmark or to period periodically check. That's B-I-T-B-O dot I-O. And now onto the show with Pete. Pete, welcome back to the show. Awesome to be here. Great to see you in Texas. And uh, yeah, what a, what a time to be in Bitcoin, huh? Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, so for listeners and just for anyone listening in future, we've just come from BitBlockBoom uh, in August 2022 uh, over in Austin, Texas. And uh, I, as we speak now, I'm actually in Riga in Latvia for Baltic Honey Badger, which is uh, another European uh, conference, and 
Pete, you've written this article recently on how to be a Bitcoin maximalist. And I think there's various ideas to explore here around essentially what are some of the principles of maximalism? What is it that people, what is it that maximalists actually believe? What should maximalists actually do? So do you want to start off with why did you write this? Yeah, I'll start off with that. I mean, I think it's pretty clear like Bitcoin maximalism is under attack, right? So there's uh, people all over the internet uh, who seem to be mad at Bitcoin maximalists, right? And their their accusations are, are kind of always the same, right? It's that Bitcoin maximalists are intolerant and, and belligerent, and it is actually Bitcoin maximalism it is actually the belief structure uh, that encourages that, right? So that's a bit of a sophisticated breakdown of the claim. Often it comes out as like sort of Twitter shouting, but you know, at the root of it, that seems to be what they mean, right? That there's this rogue group of people uh, who are irrational and, and that sort of lashing out, uh, uh, you know, at the world, right? And so, and they're and they're blaming Bitcoin maximalism, right? So, as as someone who comes from a background as a journalist or somebody you know, who's research oriented, it's like you know, words have to have meanings, right? So, therefore. We have to break this down. And, you know, I wrote in the article, you know, if you ask someone for a definition of yes, two people about to define Bitcoin maximalism, you'll get four answers, right? So it seems to me there's a problem here. There isn't really a definition for Bitcoin maximalism. So, you know, what is it that people are actually mad about? So, you know, in this case, I essentially just tried to strip down the argument and say, you know, okay, let's let's not talk about these bad behaviors and negative behaviors, which, you know, look, they exist in online communities. Um, you know, if we can strip out this kind of toxic nature from what people assume is Bitcoin maximalism, what is it, right? Is it, what is Bitcoin maximalism at its essence? Uh, and is it in fact bad, right? Is it actually encouraging people to do bad things? Or perhaps maybe those people are just, you know, expressing something inefficiently, or maybe they, you know, they think they're doing the right thing. Um, you know, can we break it down on that level? And I think what I was able to find is that, you know, what I suspected that essentially Bitcoin maximalism is actually, a, you know, very coherent and I think valuable set of values. I think it's one that we all share. But, you know, again, there's the question that I think that this piece asks then is like, are we effectively communicating that message? And I think that the second part, I would say, you know, perhaps not. But I think the best way to start having that conversation is to write down, OK, like what is it actually that unites us? Right. And are we actually projecting that positivity or are we often kind of focusing on the negativity, right? So, so again, I think that's sort of the genesis about this, right? You know, kind of peeling it back, getting to the definition, and then circulating, right? This is Bitcoin. Uh, if you don't think my framework is useful, you know, fuck me. You can lash on me on Twitter, make out something different. Uh, you know, I'd love to hear, you know, people's critiques. Uh, but so far, you know, I think the agreement that I've heard from people is, you know, this is, uh, I think VJ, you know, said it well. This is this this is an objective kind of case of like, you know, most Bitcoin maximalists, maximalists, this is what they believe. Right, whether that's always like very clear uh, to other people is, is kind of a secondary question. Right, and so in your piece, you also help delineate this idea of the ism from the ists. So, can you elaborate? Mm. What, what are you getting at there? Yeah, so I actually had to look up the dictionary definition here, and I was kind of confused, right? Because people use Bitcoin maximalist versus Bitcoin maximalism. Like, am I a Bitcoin maximalist or do I follow Bitcoin maximalism? So, so generally, an ism is a school of beliefs, right? It is the ideological and value structure. And then an ist is someone who follows that, right? Um, so there's a there's a bit of a separation where... You know, one is essentially a set of values. It is actually a ideology that's kind of divorced from the individual. And then the ist would be the person that embodies that. Right. So I think you have to kind of draw a little bit of a line between Bitcoin maximalism and Bitcoin maximalists. Right. It is possible that 
Bitcoin maximalists maybe don't understand Bitcoin maximalism that well and therefore just kind of, you know, mistake or confuse these kind of things. Um, and again, this is where like kind of toxicity gets, um, you know, caught up in all of this. Right. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, like I think you have to believe that Bitcoin maximalism has to solve a specific problem. Right. What is it trying to address? Right. If it is to exist, like what is the point of the value structure? And I think to me, that answer, you know, really became, you know, Bitcoin maximalism is about expanding Bitcoin. It is about, you know, against, you know, the uh, essentially, you know, who are our antagonists, the fiat world and the crypto world, right? A Bitcoin maximalist should want to expand Bitcoin, you know, against those other systems, right? And eventually we want, you know, Bitcoin to succeed and compete and outcompete these other things. Therefore, Bitcoin maximalism has to be that forward motion, um, right? So I think, you know, once I was able to kind of crack that, I was like, okay, that, you know, that makes sense, right? Why do we need this culture around Bitcoin? If Bitcoin is just a tool, why is this culture even necessary? Uh, well, the answer is that the culture exists to advance the tool, right? There, there has to be a relationship between those two things. And I think, you know, that's why Bitcoin maximalism formed. That's why we need Bitcoin maximalists. Uh, but we also need that to be like a healthy dynamic, right? We need actually to have a clear conversation about what our values are. And then we need to be able to kind of, you know, because again, I think everybody's had an experience where like someone they consider a Bitcoin maximalist does something online. And it's like very clear to them that that's not Bitcoin maximalism. So a good example would be like someone goes on Twitter and they just ship to post somebody else and they call them an asshole or something. <laughs> and and somebody's like, oh, well, that, that's not Bitcoin maximalism. Uh, okay, well, you know, then you must know what Bitcoin maximalism is. Like it must be something that isn't getting mad at that guy on Twitter. Um, so again, like that, it, so I think the piece kind of came from that and trying to peel those apart, right? So our expression of Bitcoin maximalism, you, you know, why, why do we say like, oh, okay, well, that's not Bitcoin maximalism when someone does that. It's because we actually recognize that, that Bitcoin maximalism is a set of values and that sometimes we fail to express that. And it, it is that imbalance that I think is revealed like in that moment uh, and, and why we know that they're separate. Um, otherwise, they would just be so intertwined. And I've used this example where it's, you know, if, um, you know, why do I like the term Bitcoin maximalism? If uh, Bitcoin is such a, a thing that you can just buy a Bitcoin and then you're part of the group, like that's it, like you don't have to do anything else, uh, then essentially you've re reduced Bitcoin to an NFT. You know, we're essentially like a conservative board ape yacht club where you can just buy, you know, sort of some entrance and then, you know, you're always in the group, right? And then there's nothing, no wrong you can do. You're just, you know, part of part of Bitcoin, right? So we do need Bitcoin maximalism. We need to encourage people to do things that we think are valuable for Bitcoin and understand the values of Bitcoin and then to express them positively. And I think, um, you know, maybe there's a question of that all not working out super well right sure. now. And so there are times where people make parallels to religion, right? Let's say Christians and Christianism and so on and so forth. Yeah, it doesn't really work quite well in that point. Yeah, Christianity, I think it would be an itty at this point, at that point. <laughs> right. But, I mean, you get the idea. In that idea, Christians would be the yeah. ists and the Christianism or Christianity mm. is the ism in this Christianity, case. Christianity yeah, would be the ism, the ism yeah. in this case. Uh -huh. But I mean, you get the idea. Do you see parallels there then between Bitcoin maximalism and religion? Is there a parallel? Should that be acknowledged, accepted, promoted, or should that be rejected? Yeah, I th I th again, I think you have to go back to the question of like, is the culture useful, right? So, you know, there was this old bit, you know, kind of the person who I consider the the father of Bitcoin ma maximalism, Mersha Pescu, and he used to sort of say there, there is no Bitcoin community, right? There's only the software and then using the software. Like there's no other part of Bitcoin, right? It is like you're either directly using the software or using it at that moment, or you just don't exist. Uh, from Bitcoin's perspective. And I think you have to kind of start from that. So then you sort of say like, well, why 
is the culture necessary, right? And I think the answer to that is that we, we, we're not okay with Bitcoin just being the tool it is today. We want to expand its use. So I'll give you an example. <laughs> you know, so like uh, we often refer to Bitcoin as a tool for like insurance or financial catastrophe or some sort of insurance policy kind of on the world, right? Uh, well, sure, I own a fire extinguisher. I have one of them. I never use it and it's in my basement somewhere. Uh, and I own it because someday I might have to put a fire out. And there's no culture around this tool that doesn't seek to advance anything other than its own utility to me personally, which is I can use it you know, to put out a fire if I want. And, that, and that's why I own it. And my ownership of it doesn't extend beyond that. Um, so if Bitcoin is just that, if it is only that, and we don't extend, expand, need to expand it further, uh, that I agree, like Bitcoin culture might not be useful. But so since we have this Bitcoin culture, we must want to achieve something with it, right? There must be an attraction to that. And I think, um, you know, the answer is, you know, whether you call it religion or or not, you, you see this with a lot of groups that have a culture, right? So like America has like patriotism, right? So the actual values, the actual ism might be the constitution, but then the ists of like America are patriots, right? People who want to further American values. So, so in any large enough culture, essentially you have this tension between, you know, what are the values and then how do people express them? And then I think like everybody knows and has had experience of cultures where they feel out of line with that culture or the culture has to ha actually have a conversation with itself and say, like, are we holding up these values? Like a good example would be like, you know, after 9-11, sort of in the war on terror, there, there was a lot of that in the United States, right? Have we become the empire that we, you know, essentially have always, you know, thought we were the antithesis of, um, you know, and that came from, and there was a lot of tough conversations about patriot uh, being a patriot at that time and what that meant. Um, but essentially, you know, this is about the culture maturing and Bitcoin's culture is maturing. So therefore it must have some value. And I think it's obvious that Bitcoin culture has value, right? It, it, it helps people convince people that Bitcoin is the right tool. It helps them understand why in other systems like fiat and the crypto system, they're at a disadvantage and why they might want to opt out of those systems. Uh, and so the culture then is an antithesis to that. And then the culture is only useful in how much it achieves that goal, right? So therefore now you have like sort of, now you understand now the culture has a place and it has a goal and then it, you can sort of evaluate the performance of it, which I think is kind of the ideal. And I, and again, I go back to sort of the other cultures I think in every other instance, you can you can look at that. So in your specific example, like Christianity, like the goal of Christianity is to convert more people to Christianity. to like, you know, their religious rule set and to convince them to live by their their moral values. And, you know, the religion is only as strong as its ability to do that. And over time, you know, Christianity has done that very successfully. It's the largest religion. Uh, but, you know, we would also as people who are, you know, I'm not an at practicing Christian, so I'm outside of that right now. Uh, you could say like, you know, there's always problems where like that culture, my dad is a practicing Catholic, constantly kind of talking about, you know, what they can do better to reach people, you know, and there's lots of different tensions within those factions. And that's where you get into kind of, I think a lot of the subjects that, you know, podcasts are good for, which is talking about, you know, what the culture and value sets are. Um, but yeah, I, I see this as all sort of intertwined. Because people would disagree, right? Because you can have Christians who disagree and you can yeah, have Bitcoin maximalists right, who right, disagree think, yeah. what true maximalism is. Even in Christian, <laughs> even in Christianity, there are different, you know, yeah, sub sure. groups mm -hmm. and yep. it's the same kind of thing. Even in, in the, in the, I guess the broad school of thought of Bitcoin maximalism, there are those who let's say believe as an example, that it is a more descriptive belief that it's not as much of a prescriptive. It's more like a Bitcoin is the best money and it's, you know, it's money's going to 10 to one. And that's a descriptive kind of argument. Like it's kind of more dispassionate and neutral. Yeah. And I think that's a fine belief, right? 
and then it's a question of like, okay, well, does that belief actually, you know, what is the what is the value of it, and is it enough to achieve the objective? And I think in that case, you know, what I see forming the community right now is like, there's some people who just say, yeah, Bitcoin's the best money, like it doesn't have to change over time, it will just win, uh, and that's an inevitability. I can't do anything about that, and you know, I don't want to do anything about that. I'm going to buy into that vision. Uh, and that's it for me. And I, and ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, I, I think that's fine. I, I don't have a particular issue with it other than, you know, I do think there are a whole other group of people who say like, hey, no, like if Bitcoin is the best system, you know, I want to actively evangelizing and people off the other systems. I want to get them to using it today. And therefore, we should consider, you know, all these other tool sets, you know, and adoption mechanisms. Um, and ultimately, I think both those groups will, will have to coexist. There's, there's actually nothing wrong about either of them in isolation, right? Because they're, they're both good for the ultimate goal. Uh, it just suggests that like you as an individual have some choice, right? Again, like, the, like that's sort of what we should be about in Bitcoin is just, is just choice, right? So, you know, in me putting down these values, it isn't really to suggest that everyone has to follow them. It's just, I'm, I'm sort of making a critique here where it's, I think, you know, Again, if you are okay with Bitcoin just being a tool and you don't want to advance it, uh, you you have to then accept that other tools exist and that if you don't do anything to get rid of them, uh, your hatred is sort of like misplaced. So I'll give you a good example with like stable coins as an example, right? So that there's a hot kind of debate in Bitcoin right now about stable coins. So, you know, if we as a Bitcoin community uh, don't do anything to to bring that technology, I wrote in the piece, you know, that one of the values most Bitcoin maximals share is crypto minimalism, right? That they have to actually want to kind of reduce the amount of other, you know, tools that exist outside of Bitcoin in the cryptocurrency sphere and, and bring them back to Bitcoin. And I actually believe that's, that's one of the most important ones. Uh, because essentially, if you don't want to reduce that tool, if we don't want to bring it back to Bitcoin, whether it's stable coins on Liquid or, you know, Tarot with like SATs back dollars, you know, these are all interesting technologies. If those don't take off and they and they will they still exist on other chains like Tron or Ethereum or whatever, then you haven't minimized them. They still exist. They'll still find utility there. And if ultimately we're unwilling um, to bring that technology here, then it has to exist. So then I would question your your hatred of that system, right? So. Um, I think we have this word. This is another word I don't like. Shit coins. I don't think it actually really means anything. I don't. I think anybody actually agrees on what it means. Um, so in, in in I like crypto minimalism better because I think crypto minimalism evokes two things. It's one that that you know there are cryptocurrencies. They just empirically exist. They just they're there. You know, and people can use them. Uh, and it suggests that our attitude should be to minimize them, to actively reduce those, you know, to the extent that they're performing useful financial services, migrating them back to Bitcoin, they're, thereby reducing the need for them. Uh, and that it's actually will be our actions that decide how much other cryptocurrency type, uh, you know, systems exist, right? And it's our tolerance of these systems uh, that will allow them to continue. So, you know, the example that I've used in this case to get people to understand this, especially people who are new, is that, you know, lightning didn't always exist. It's something that we as Bitcoiners had to design and build. Uh, and the reason we did that is because we wanted Bitcoin to not just be a settlement system. We wanted it to be a payment system, right? That is, That was one of its original value propositions. Many felt, many felt that that was just a useful tool for a money um, and so we had to build the system, right? We had to decide that we wanted to do it. Uh, and there was a whole period of time where there were many payments cryptocurrencies, you know, just cryptocurrencies that were saying, hey, like Bitcoin's a store of value, like we're a payments cryptocurrency, right? So there were all these like Monero, Dash, you know, all, the, all these different things uh, that you don't hear about anymore. And, and why? Because Bitcoin has essentially now outcompeted those things. It is now both a store of value and a payments 
uh, method. And right, it's still in the middle of that competition. Uh, but it was our unwillingness as Bitcoiners to allow those things to exist somewhere else. Uh, that mitigated them. And my hypothesis is that that's probably the right relationship to having going forward. It, it, it does a lot to justify our antagonism to that system, because I think that's most confusing for people who are like outside there in the crypto world. They're like, why are you attacking us? Like, we're just, you know, building a service that people want. Uh, and I think our answer to that, you know, should be, well, hey, like we think that these services are actually going to be better for people on Bitcoin. Therefore, we are we are antagonistic to you. We are trying to reduce the amount of these other systems that people need to rely on. Um, but that that's our goal, right? And and therefore, you know, we can. Yeah, you know, I talked about this a little bit with Tomer Strolight on the Swan Signal yesterday. It's like you know we can be better at ex- positively expressing those values. Those those values can still be antagonistic. Like I I don't think there's anyone here who doesn't want to actively reduce. The number of cryptocurrencies that are out there. I think that's that's kind of everybody's goal, um, you know. So, but we do have to maybe get better at like people understanding these other systems. Like, hey, yeah, that is our goal. We're going to be antagonistic to you, uh, but that's just maybe the natural state, right? Like, you want to profit and do something that is, doesn't exist on Bitcoin. We think that you're wrong. Uh, let's have at it, right? That's you know, there's fair competition in a lot of economic market sectors, you know, kind of along the same lines. So there shouldn't be anything like taboo about this. Yeah. Okay. So one way to think about it could also be to say Bitcoin is likely to win or, you know, going to win, but people can try. You can try this altcoin if you want. Like, I think that's kind of the more, let's say, the maybe a slightly more neutral or dispassionate view. I think that other Bitcoiners do, some of them do take. And then, of course, there are others who go even further and let's say they're almost totally agnostic about what coin they use from their from their point of view they'll just take whatever coin in their view serves that role whereas obviously i would you know where i can use bitcoin well, i will I, use bitcoin. i think a lot of those people are like self-interested yeah. like wouldn't you say oh, of course like a lot of those people are like really like self-interest maximalists like you know the d this is like the dgen shitcoiner mentality right like so they're they're in a whole other like value set where it's like you know, and the question then is like, are we effectively getting them out of that, right? Because they're essentially, you know, they're here to just profit off anything, right? And then, you know, it's sort of our tasks as like Bitcoin maximalists, I think, to then sort of tell them like, hey, that's that's not an effective mindset, right? Like, like, hey, I've been there. I have potentially lost almost everything because of all the collapse of these things. You know, you should save some in Bitcoin, right? Even if you hate us and you think all of this random garbage that people are saying is correct, um, you know, like American HODL says, like, you know, love yourself by Bitcoin. Um, you know, the question then is like, you know, are do we have a responsibility? Do you want to give, you know, to give these messages? And look, again, at the end of the day, I respect that, that some people don't care. Um, I just think it centers the conversation a little bit more on like, you know, what do we want to achieve? Like, what responsibilities do we have? And then, um, you know, how are we going to kind of explain what we're doing to the rest of the crypto world? Which, you know, again, I, I sort of say this all the time to my, the folks in the journalism community, which is that, you know, Bitcoin exists and it's going up in value over time. You have to have some explanation on that. Otherwise, you don't, your opinion like isn't relevant. And in the same case, I would say to Bitcoiners, it's, you know, cryptocurrencies exist like they they continue to be made like you have to have some outlook on them i think our outlook on them is that you know we want to to diminish them we we actually want to outcompete them um and i think if we have that aspiration we we should be clearer about that um and again like there's nothing wrong with antagonism in itself right but then like antagonism can sometimes cross over into like and this is where i think it gets a little weird which is like supremacy where it's like oh i like i want to eradicate and destroy like all of those things and they should never exist <laughs> uh and you know supremacy is kind of a word where it's like a little 
you know, it doesn't bring up any good connotations, but like, you know, you have to kind of wonder, it's like, have, have you crossed over into supremacy where it's like, you're so angry that these other things exist that you really just want to destroy them. And you're just entirely negatively motivated at that point. What about the notion then of, let's say, seeding the turf like if you just view it like no bitcoin should just be money and it shouldn't be trying to do all these other things or maybe some of these other things are not sustainable so i would rather seed that turf and let some shitcoin handle that because i'm focused on getting the money right i think that that's a great like way to put it is actually like seed the turf like yeah you have to actually then be willing to allow, you know, again, this is why I said I frame it like I like crypto minimalism because it suggests what I think is true, which is a lot of these things exist at our behest. They they exist purely through our willingness not to replace them or our disinterest in replacing them. Uh, because if you ultimately believe that Bitcoin is a system that can expand potentially to do to do all these things, right? That's been the claim of Bitcoin maximalists sort of forever, right? Is that, you know, oh, well, you know, on a long enough timeline, you know, we can do these smart, smart contracts, we can do these, you know, you could, Bitcoin, you know, NFT started on Bitcoin, uh, you know, all these things are just stuff we're going to be able to rebuild over time. Well, so then you get the question of like, do we want to do that? And this is why I often for the same that say that like, in a world where Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin maximalists like sort of accept ossification, or, or a world where Bitcoiners accept ossification, like I don't know where how maximalism exists because it's just it doesn't have like a forward direction at that point. You're just sort of accepting that Bitcoin is as it is today, uh, and that people will find you know utility elsewhere. I think in that point maybe you would you could be a Bitcoiner and be like very strongly like kind of for you know, Bitcoin as a tool that you could use and, you know, probably the best money amongst other monies. But then you still sort of have the problem of that, like forward direction. Right. And I and this is the this is like kind of the um, tension that I see in a lot of Bitcoin maximalists right now is that there's, you know, why why has the online conversation become so difficult? Because it's become very difficult for us to talk about you know, what it is we're trying to achieve versus this other cryptocurrency systems. Like we see them getting bigger. There's like more kinds of like random shit happening on them. Um, And I think it's unclear to the culture, like what our attitude is to them, right? Like the culture right now, it's like, we're just sort of attacking those things. We're just saying, hey, these are bad investments. Uh, You know, these will go to zero. Um, And again, I think this is where some of the criticism against Bitcoin maximum has been fair. It's sort of like, well, what if that doesn't happen? you know, what, what, what's, what is going to, going to be your response then? Uh, because then you're sort of, you know, um, you know, your ideology at that point is going to look like it is incorrect, right? It's going to just appear to people as if it's, if, if it's, um, like uh, not functional, what it's trying to achieve. Right. And I think, um, especially around like the Celsius and like kind of all those things collapsing, you know, uh, Bitcoin Maximals definitely took like a really big vic- victory lap, right? We were like big kind of proponents of custody and like owning your own keys. And, and you know, I think in the article, I you know, I try to say that like, you know, Bitcoin Maximals, we, what we want to be is critical of these things and we should be and we, we have the right to do that. Uh, but then we also have to build other products and services that then can replace them. Otherwise, like people are still going to use them, right? So there is like a, there is a push pull on these two dynamics, right? So if we don't, build something better you know one of the great products i think that's that's cool right now is fediment right they're talking about kind of advanced custody techniques um and and to see that stuff is out there like that is is really cool and that's a bitcoin maximalist effort in my opinion because you're you know we are trying to get increase the quality of custody we are actually opposing these like centralized lending services and these other crypto DeFi type lending services uh and we are actually making ground there and to me that's the right 
cadence or Bitcoin maximalism, right? It's like we have a clear antagonist. The antagonist is clearly bad. Uh, we're putting in the effort to like to make up ground there, and, and and you know it is that culture that is driving that movement forward, and that to me feels like a really like solid example, you know, like the lightning example that I pulled out, like the you know U.S. dollar stable coins on on Terra. But then again, it's like our culture has to then unify behind that, and then we have to make the progress um, because you know we're not going to be able to kind of compete against the zillion shit coins, right? We can't, we can't do all the things we have to be really, you know, choice with our energy as Bitcoiners, right? I think this is like a lot of the frustration from the people who are critical of Bitcoin maximalists. Like these days they're saying like, Oh, well, all these things exist outside of Bitcoin. Right. Um, sure. Because, you know, we're, you know, we can't compete against the contillion effect of all, all these coins. Like you just can't. Uh, so then you have to be slow and measured with how we advance Bitcoin. And I think if you look back at the history of Bitcoin, you've, you'll find that, Bitcoin maximalists, Bitcoiners have, have been slow and methodical in how they're advancing Bitcoin. Uh, and, you know, we're not going to be the most glistening casino thing at, at any given point. And, and that's an advantage. But but we have to keep marching forward. Right. So so I go back to it where it's in a world where we accept ossification or we don't compete against the, the status quo, then I think maximalism doesn't exist. Back to the show in a moment. Now, those of you who are still leaving your coins on the exchange, it's time to drain the exchanges. Unchained Capital is running a promotion until the 8th of September. So if you need a concierge onboarding to help you take your coins off the exchange into a multi-signature vault that you control the keys for, they can help you out here. And there's a big discount on at the moment where this program is now available for $250 where they will coach you over a video call how to do this and you can get a further $50 off by using the code Levera. So if you're interested, go to the website. It's unchained.com slash concierge. Use the code Levera to get a discount. Give yourself that peace of mind. Take your coins off the exchange today. If you are interested in Bitcoin mining, brains.com is the website for you. You can optimize your Bitcoin mining operations. They have a full stack solution, including ASIC, management and firmware that you can use to auto tune and get more sats for your dollar they have farm management software and they are the operators of the world's first bitcoin mining pool previously known as slush pool it's now going to be called brains pool so if you're interested in that go to the website you can find a range of content they also have a bitcoin mining book available so i'll be chatting soon with some of the team on that and if you're interested go to brains.com that's b-r-a-i-i-n-s.com mempool.space is the bitcoin explorer built by bitcoiners for bitcoiners it features real-time transaction tracking and mempool visualization so you can quickly get the information you need about your bitcoin transactions and at the time this podcast goes out they've got a lightning explorer this is a brand new feature available in mempool.space so you can go there and they've got all kinds of features that you can use to view the lightning network and explore that on mempool.space now this is available over tor it's also completely open source you can run your own at home over 1 million people use mempool.space every month this project is operated freely for the benefit of the community there are no ads or third-party trackers go try it out today at mempool.space and now back to the show. I see. Okay. And so to your point about progressing forward in a centralized ecosystem versus progressing forward in a decentralized ecosystem, this has long been an argument amongst a lot of Bitcoiners also where, for example, it's, it's a common thing where people say, oh, look, there's actually some old thread on Bitcoin talk where that idea was proposed years ago and it got shot down or for whatever reason, it wasn't feasible, robust, scalable, decentralized etc. It didn't tick all the right boxes from a Bitcoin point of view. And I'm sure you as a as a as a bit of a resident Bitcoin historian, you definitely appreciate 
that also having obviously trolled through the history records yeah tons of uh tons of bad ideas for sure yeah and perhaps some ideas that maybe weren't ready yet right and you know i'm sure at one point lightning or payment channels people were talking about that in the early years on bitcoin talk forums and irc and so on uh and then only it actually it only got actualized in let's say early 2018 when the lightning network started well yeah that's the thing right it's like i think we've been good at differentiating from the crypto system as saying like hey you know look a lot of these systems that are achieving these things today they've taken the easy route to get there you know and this has always i think been where the criticism against you know ethereum is from people like greg maxwell has been most effective by sort of saying like yeah, you know, look, Ethereum has achieved this, you know, system of applications, but you know what they don't have is they don't have social consensus on a monetary policy. They don't have, you know, the ability to kind of run their own software. And it's kind of you go through the values that I laid out in the article. You know, Ethereum is sort of, you know, uh absent every one of them. So the first one I wrote down was that, you know, foremost Bitcoin and maximalists should want to preserve Bitcoin for future generations. Like we believe the system will exist in perpetuity. Uh, so, you know, from a Bitcoin maximalist view, yeah, why would we ever want to do something like the merge? I mean, like, you know, they can't guarantee in that instance that their protocol is going to be live or operational like the next day, <laughs> you know, so it, so it couldn't be more antithetical to our value set because our value set is actually that this is, you know, such an important system. You know, we can't ever assume like what condition people would want to use the system as. We can't, ex you know, we can't, uh, forecast the extremity of their circumstance. So yeah, like we, it's actually you know paramount for us that this system, this system, not only be operational today, but like every day in the future. For for you know that's why you talk about long time preference, short time preference. Like Bitcoin has a super long time preference, right? Or low low time preference. Yeah, low time preference. Then you go to number two, um, the Bitcoin running your own software, right? Like so, Bitcoin maximalists want to encourage people to run the software. We think that this is what you gives you stakeholdership in the network. You know, Bitcoin nodes cheap, really easy to run, can do it in a couple hours. You know, Ethereum debates out long Twitter threads, takes a couple weeks. You know, uh, can they do something like a UASF? Unclear. You know, the third thing that I said was, you know, essentially the slow commitment to slow software changes and enfranchising all users. And then you look at the merge and, you know, what is it doing? You know, anyone who disagrees with, you know, their technology plan is disenfranchised like you don't exist you have to then build your own network uh, you're kicked off right you as a minority sort of cease to exist uh, and so yeah you know again like this is where i think it becomes helpful um, because oftentimes when we try to attack things like ethereum and attack things like the merge you know we we really i think struggle to kind of say like okay like you know we come off as like really angry and like negative and i think like we can also just say like no like this like we just don't believe in any of this stuff like our values like what we positively think uh is opposed to this um and i think you know our criticism might be taken or maybe be like more effective at kind of like raising this if we didn't appear so negative, right? Because I think for me, it's like very easy to dismiss something like the merge and just say like, yeah, look, every one of our values that we hold as Bitcoiners, it's like pretty antithetical. And, you know, at the end of the day, if they want to encourage people to put value in that system, you know, that's their choice. I can't stop them, uh, but I'm not going to encourage you to do that. I'm not going to like be a part of a system, you know, would, that would have that sort of reckless kind of outlook. Um, and again, I think the better that we are at positively expressing our values, like the more we're going to be effective, you know, in making critique uh, about them. Because at the end of the day, look, I think the merge is going to work. It's going to happen. And if it doesn't happen, like, you know, I'll just be honest, nobody's going to care. 
uh, because Ethereum doesn't exist in the same way. It doesn't have like an absolute structure. They're just going to go back to the drawing board. They'll try something else. Uh, they'll make something else up. You know, there's no structure. It doesn't have like a constrained structure of Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a system of values and rules and Ethereum at the end of the day is, you know, kind of whatever it wants to be. <laughs> so, you know, they'll find a way to figure it out. Uh, so I don't just don't know if it's a great use of our energy. And, you know, my worry is that the Bitcoin culture, uh, that our negativity and our attacks of Ethereum actually come from like our own insecurities. Like we're kind of insecure about Bitcoin. At the end of the day, I'm not. I don't have any insecurities about Bitcoin in relation to the merge. Uh, if it works great for Ethereum, uh, if it doesn't, I'm sure they'll figure out something else and make up something else and, and move forward. Uh, they're very creative people. <laughs> yeah, sure. else, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I think the point, as you were saying, is that Bitcoiners are encouraging people to run a Bitcoin node, whether that's on a Raspberry Pi or on your existing computer or your laptop and encouraging people to actually use yeah. the, you know, use mm -hmm. the tools as Bitcoiners would say. And so I think that's, that's important to understand that there's the ecosystems are very different. Yeah. And so that also goes into the next principle, which you said, and, and you were elaborating a bit there, this commitment of slow software changes and trying to enfranchise users. And so I think that's where also a critique comes. They say, oh, look, see you Bitcoiners, it took forever to get yeah. Taproot. And, you know, from their point of view, like there's not even that many people using Taproot, even though we are seeing. So, for example, LND is now moving to Taproot by default. Honestly, that's the biggest one, you know, and I think it's this is number three is the one that took me the longest to understand. And I would argue that from a Bitcoin like fork wars perspective, like the entirety of the fork wars was about principle number three and i don't think that anyone like it took us years it's I, I would say it took the bitcoin community like four years to kind of understand that point and it's a really deep point and it's essentially that in a decentralized system if it is to be truly decentralized uh then no one can tell you what software is bitcoin like you have to like you as an individual get to make a choice of, of softwares. And as long as that software is compatible, it is Bitcoin uh, and that no action of any other individual or group can actually remove your access to Bitcoin. And I think this is why, like the more and more I think about it, you know, Bitcoin is an economy. It's it's a culture. It's like a rule set. And, and we do face opposition to other cryptocurrencies. But I, I don't know if they're actually like I hate the crypto asset thesis. I just think it's so terrible. I, I really think there's just two competing cultures at this point. There's the Bitcoin culture, which has a very clear value set. And I think a pro user value set, a pro like human value set, like a, a value set that like as Jimmy Song says, is like very aligned with like, you know, classical liberalism and like morals. Right. Um, and the other value set, which is, you know, the Ethereum world, the smart contract platform world, which is move fast, break things, developers lead, the users follow. If it doesn't work, fuck them. They lost their money. <laughs> They'll speculate on somebody else. Degen, anti-system. And, you know, the, the two cultures, it makes me sad that Bitcoin maximalism is viewed as such a negative culture because I, I can't think that it isn't like anything but, you know, if you look at the shitcoin like sort of degen culture, uh, it is so devoid like of any reasonable values other than like, you know, fuck you, I'm going to get mine. Uh, damn the consequences uh, that it, it really says a lot, I think, about like that we haven't been effective in our messaging because like, you know, you, if you really actually understand the values that like each system expresses, um, like one of them, I think, is like very nihilistic, <laughs> like often to, almost to the point of like, you know, selfishness and greed, like over everything else. Uh, and the uh, and the other system, the Bitcoin system is, you know, no, like we need to do 
what's right for everybody. Like we can't make decisions for everybody else. And yes, that that is going to slow the ability for us to make these sort of technical upgrades, but it is worth it and it will be worth it. Uh, and to me, that's the kind of fight that 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 is really romantic about Bitcoin uh, is that we do have that aspiration, right? Yeah. So. yeah, that's a really good way to put it. And I think on the question of being ineffective in quotes, as you were saying, I think that's where, let's say some people like to critique Bitcoin is saying, look how ineffective you were. All these people just leave their coins on the exchanges or they say, oh, look how ineffective Bitcoin maximalists have been. Look how many shitcoins there are. There's over 20,000 shitcoins. If you were so effective, there'd be less of them, right? That's kind of part of the argument. But I think it's also not fair in other ways because it's not like Bitcoin maximalists can stop the creation of new shitcoins. And it's not like we're not already swimming uphill in some ways because there's just all these fiat incentives around us. And of course, there are going to be people who succumb or just go with the fiat flow. What is it from uh, Samuel L. Jackson where he's like, you know, the path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities <laughs> and like the evils of the world, right? You know, that is that is the thing, right? Bitcoin maximalism has to be aligned to that path. And, you know, this is why I think, you know, why I've been dismissive of the attacks on Bitcoin maximalism is like, yeah, like we have to walk against the opposition, Right. We, we have to continue that forward direction because we are beset on all sides by evil. It is it is true. <laughs> like the, the fiat system, you know, uh, is an economy that continues to penalize us. We're, we're, you know, people, you know, who are average people that can't get ahead. Uh, does that mean Bitcoin is inflation hedge? I you know, I don't think that's true. But again, it's the, the whole system itself, you know, uh, has its pros and cons. And then, you know, the crypto system at large, you know, again, we are opposed to that. We, we have to be opposed to both of those things. And, and to me, that, that's what maximalism is. We have to strip maximalism down to what it what it is right and i think bitcoin maximalism has to be the forward direction against both of these other systems we have to oppose that we have to have a system of values that opposes that and we have to have a system of values that gives us direction and forward momentum against those systems and i think to the extent that bitcoin maximalism can do that it's like very useful um and again that's why i said like earlier i was really trying to peel out toxicity because i i don't think toxicity is that I, I i do really believe that toxicity solves a core problem you know and the problem that toxicity solves is that we have to be able to protect bitcoin from ourselves right at the end of the day right that's what toxicity is for that's why it was created um but then toxic maximalism then kind of starts to become somewhat incoherent because you know again they're just two very different goals uh, one of them solves okay how do we move forward and how do we oppose the forces that are against us like that's that has to be maximalism i think like i don't know what else would be that and then there's toxicity which is, yeah, look, I, it's an unsolvable paradox, you know, uh, this idea that like any upgrade to Bitcoin is indistinguishable from an attack. And we, we have to live with that and we have to become a culture that has a conversation around that. And that's what toxicity is. Uh, but then if you combine them, this is kind of where I get to the, the point where it's like, are they really compatible? Like, is toxic maximalism effective? Can it move us forward? And I almost think the question then is like, probably not because they just do two different things. Like one of them again, it has to oppose other forces and the other one of them, it just opposes us, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, that's, that was what talks, that was what gave rise to toxicity. Uh, and again, I don't think it's bad. I, I think toxicity is the greatest, one of the greatest things Bitcoin had ever achieved. And, you know, it's hilarious to me to see the Ethereum folks, you know, realize that toxicity is good, right? They're talking about their own user activated software, you know, when and why that might be necessary. So they're, they're also starting to understand that, you know, Bitcoiners just hit an existential problem before them and they came up with a solution and our solution 
you know, actually works for them, <laughs> which is, which is crazy, right? Like that's how good the, the solution is, is that they will probably need to use it. Uh, and that says a lot about why toxicity is good. But um, again, like are these, we should be asking, like, are these compatible ideologies, I think. I see. And also in your article, you talk about this idea, the commitment of building on Bitcoin, using Bitcoin where feasible. Now that is also certainly, I've, I see that in, in the Bitcoin community or in communities that use Bitcoin. I think perhaps one question that might come up is in cases where something can't be built on Bitcoin, does that then legitimate the creation of that shitcoin, right? Like not that I'm, again, I'm not making that argument. I'm just saying that's kind of the, that's the argument that we might hear. So how would you respond to that? Well, that's why I would go back to, you know, like one of them and the assumptions we have to make is like Bitcoin is only limited by our ingenuity. And I think, you know, that's why I think that I like crypto minimalism because we have to accept that some of these things are achieving things that can't exist on Bitcoin today and therefore legitimately exist and are providing uh, real services. The question then of like, will they ever exist on Bitcoin? That's always going to be up to us, right? And I think that's where it becomes, you know, kind of a, a, a like a positive way to frame it where it's, you know, sure, there might be ideas that, you know, how short is short term? Right. This is a good question. Right. If Bitcoiners are so low time preference, you know, short term might be 100 years like there might be, you know, Monero or Zcash or some of these cryptocurrencies that purport to have better privacy. They might be better than if you want privacy, they might be better than Bitcoin for some period of time. And that could be that could be decades. It could. You know, does that mean there's never going to be a solution on Bitcoin? Does that mean like no point is anyone in the future ever going to figure out how to do that? I think the answer to that is also probably no, because, you know, again, we have to believe that, you know, if we are effective at creating more Bitcoiners and that we do create this culture that, you know, um, you know, breaks ground against these other movements, then no, like the smartest people in the world will work on Bitcoin and, you know, hopefully they'll find a solution. Uh, but it also gives us, I think, like a bit of humility and patience because, you know, look, there's there isn't going to be. And I, I wrote this at the end of the piece. It's like there's no amount of like anger and like, you know, frustration that we can have that's going to remove all of these cryptocurrencies. There just isn't. They're, they're, they're just not all going to go to zero uh, tomorrow. So then, you know, we have to do something with that frustration. We have to do something with that anger. And that 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 has to be the pos positive. We have to get people to channel that in a positive direction. And that's why I view Bitcoin maximalism it has to be directional. It has to be. It has to be effective at convincing people to do the best that they can for Bitcoin. Um, you know, because some of these other things, like you know, the HODL culture or, you know, the uh, take on debt by Bitcoin culture, they're they they try to get you to like you know, if you're putting your self interest before Bitcoin, I have to wonder if you're a maximalist. I just do, and that and that doesn't. That's not bad. I'm not trying to cast judgment on you. I'm just saying, like, Bitcoin should get to have all the things. <laughs> like, if, if like Bitcoin, if you're going to be a Bitcoin maximalist, like Bitcoin should, in every case, um, you know, Bitcoin, whatever is Bitcoin maximalism should be the best thing for Bitcoin. So I think like the most one of the most controversial things I put in there at the end was like, you know, everyone should use Bitcoin. Like, and if you're a maximalist, you have to believe that. You have to believe that everybody can benefit from Bitcoin. You know, and that's and that's everybody in the world. Uh, and you know, do we always live up to that? Does everybody live up to that? Uh, it can be hard, but it it's like a value set should be aspirational, right? Like there's a reason in Christianity that they have saints, you know, because it's like so fucking hard <laughs> to be to be a saint. You know, it takes you like your whole life, and then you might die, and then like you know, or like even like in the United States, we have the Presidential Medal of Freedom. 
You know, it's like you were so American. You like lived up to our values to such a high extent. There's like a special medal <laughs> that we give you. So I almost visit like Bitcoin maximalists. It should be like a lifetime achievement award. Like it's like before you die, like they should, should be like kind of up there with the Walker. You know, you'll be up there <laughs> and like, you know, they'll be like, you know, what a podcast here you go you know you you are uh, you know effectively uh, increased bitcoin uh, here's your medal and then that's it you know you're just like the time of award. <laughs> you know, you know? Right. um one other idea so politics is often the art of putting one principle against another and in some cases are there instances where some of these principles of maximalism or these guidelines of maximalism where they come into conflict right so as an example you know, this idea of keeping Bitcoin open and accessible for everybody. But on the other hand, oh, it should be technological supremacy as well. And I think what happens is with the cryptography and the maths and the science and the computer, you know, the networking and everything of it, it just seems to come out that, okay, for example, confidential transactions does not seem like it would be feasible to put into Bitcoin today, given those other aspects of accessibility, verifiability, openness, etc. So how how do you wrestle with that aspect of it? So you're talking about like the specifics of like the technical proposals, like so since we can't get something like that in today, like what do we do about it? Yeah, so as an example, there's people who want privacy in Bitcoin on chain. There are people who want, you know, various other things. Yeah, right, right, right. But they're not all feasible. Well, I think we like, you know, in trying to define Bitcoin maximalism, I was always struck and I and I could never really reconcile this, right, is that there's what our culture expresses and then there's what the developers do. And I think, you know, modern Bitcoin maximalism in the current Twitter culture is very divorced from like the developers who I watched like growing up, right? So I think I, I was for a while trying to kind of reconcile these contradictions. And I think, you know, one of the things that, that struck me is if you look at sort of Greg Maxwell or Andrew Palestra or all the kind of the great you know, Bitcoin developers, they were always interested in other ideas away from Bitcoin, full stop. They always were. You know, you look at when Mimblewimble came out, there was like a very active discussion in the community around that. Always, you know, the developers in Bitcoin have talked about Monero. They've tried to understand its privacy tools. I mean, even Zcash, which comes from ZK Snarks, there was a whole conversation about whether that applied to Bitcoin. Ultimately, Zcash, you know, essentially forked off and created their own coin. Uh, but that was a Bitcoin conversation. So, you know, again, I think that the modern Bitcoin maximalism, you know, uh, way to handle this, you know, I, the whole thing about like, oh, like, don't be a shitcoiner. Everyone's a shitcoiner. Like, no one's a shitcoiner. You know, I had this conversation with Matt O'Dell where, you know, everyone that I talk to seems to have an exception. Like, you know, if we are against shitcoiners, if you're a shitcoiner for doing like one single thing against our values, like, well, then everyone I talk to has an exception. Developers all have like their one proposal they think is interesting elsewhere. Matt O'Dell will still talk to the guy who uses Monero because he's interested in privacy. Uh, Adam Back will still be interested in, you know, US dollar stable coins and bringing them to liquid because he thinks they're an onboarding tool. Well, so then do we really have a culture that's that that actually is shitcoin the best best expression of our culture? And that's why I, I think crypto minimalism is better uh, because it suggests that like you as you know a maximalist, like you can still think something else would be best for Bitcoin and you can still work on that and like have that um, aspiration. And it still kind of fits the mental model, you know, like Peter McCormick can still think that you know, bringing leftists to Bitcoin is is great for Bitcoin. And, and he can work on that. And it's and it's his way of kind of working within the set, right? So, you know, you I, and I think this is one of the things when I'm, we talked last about my Nick Carter piece, you know, I kind of said that like, you know, everyone seems to have, 
there, uh, you know, who is a Bitcoin maximalist, like who does all the things. And there was often this kind of, um, you know, like intense debate around whether you hated shitcoins or whether you were indifferent to them or like whether it mattered. And I think, you know, if there was something I hope I could contribute the conversation is I think it doesn't. I think like the right way to look at this is not to constantly judge ourselves for like whether or not we've said or done the right things. We can't become a judgmental culture like that. Just um, okay. So I'll give you a, a, another thing that I've been thinking about, about a lot lately where it's uh, is it better to do less bad or more good? Like, is it better to you know, actively reduce the amount. I asked Jimmy Song this at the end of the conference. I was like, you know, tell me what it, what it is, because I think we've been, we become a culture that prioritizes doing less bad. And we've become a culture that venerates people merely because they don't do bad. Oh, well, why is he the best maximalist? Oh, he's never used a shit coin. Uh, he's never, you know, uh, he's never said anything positive about Monero. Oh, he's never used an exchange. Well, in the end, you, you've never did anything at all. You've just never done anything. <laughs> so how do we get people to do more good? Like, at what point can you do enough good to outweigh the bad? bad? And my fear is that we've become a culture that's like so insecure about its values that we've become so judgmental and like now we're sort of like you know this was the whole dumb thing around like you know the whole nick carter episode where you know oh well you know he's done more for bitcoin than you and like you know like well what's the you know i don't understand like what's what's happening here like what what happened like, like why is this why is our culture so concerned with judgment um and i think that's because we've kind of made Bitcoin maximalism, this is like impossible standard The like no, no one in isolation, like actually fits this like mythical description of like, you know, the perfect Bitcoin maximalist who's never shit coined. And so then our conversation is all about, oh, well, Samson did this and this person did that. And like, you know, this thing is better than that. And it's like, the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like, why are you having this fucking discussion? It's totally pointless. Uh, we should have a common goal. The common goal should be re to reduce the amount of other cryptocurrencies there are and bring the useful stuff back to Bitcoin. I, I don't really care like who did what with like a token like two fucking years ago. It's like I'm a person of limited time. So, you know, again, that's like where the conversation breakdown like seems to happen. So, I'm, you know, I'm hoping this can help because I... I think we have to say that a conversation, like a, a culture that that <laughs> prioritizes doing less bad, uh, it's just like what you know. You're what are you going to achieve in that culture? You're going to achieve sort of like a just imagine a world of like in your head, like mentally, like imagine a world of people doing less bad. And in my head, I come up with oh. You know, this guy goes to work at nine in the morning, gets to work on time and goes home and he tucks his kids in, you know, and then imagine a world where people are doing more good, like where everyone is incentivized to do the most good. And it's just a vastly different world. It's like, oh, okay, like maybe this guy's gonna like donate some people things to the homeless, like on his way to work, and like maybe he's gonna he's a coworker who's like you know feeling bad about himself, so he's gonna spend some time doing that. And oh, you know, you know, you just kind of go down the list, and it's just like they are two very different worlds. They just they just they seem to be. Uh, so I don't know. I'll leave people with that. You know, the less less yeah, more sure. good. You know, what's better? So what what are the other good things in your view that people can do? for Bitcoin? I mean, does it relate to, let's say, getting adoption or helping merchants or helping grow the base of hodlers? Like, how, what's, what's good in your view? Yeah, good is whatever is good for Bitcoin, right? I th and I think that we all get to interpret that, but I've hoped that these values speak to that, right? So I, you know, I put there that our goal should be to expand the economy, like that we, we should want to do that and we should push ourselves to do that. 
because again, if we make it a label, this is what is really infuriating as an outsider to the Bitcoin culture. That the thing that sort of infuriated me <laughs> for the longest time is that like, you know, we seem to kind of again like have this idea. Well, he's a Bitcoiner, and like, oh, you can never say anything bad about him because he's a Bitcoiner. Therefore, everything that he does is good for Bitcoin, which is kind of an irrational view. It's it's really just like, was the action that you took that it was it good for Bitcoin or not? And did you and if and could you have done something for Bitcoin, right? So you know, I tend to use this framework personally to try to push myself. You know, I you know I do go to the grocery store. I spend three hundred dollars. I have never talked to that merchant about accepting Bitcoin. Maybe I should. Maybe that's the, my small way that I contribute and do something better. And we, we have to, and this is what you know, I, Mr. Hoddle. I was talking to him. You know, he's saying, "Oh well, I tried that, you know, and it didn't work, and you know, those people didn't end up using Bitcoin." And I was like. Sure, that that does nothing. That says nothing about whether your aspiration was valid. And if you stop pushing yourself, if you allow yourself to stagnate, if we allow our culture to kind of stagnate, then it will stagnate, right? Like you have like ultimately like maximalism should be about doing what's best for Bitcoin in other instances and falling short. Like it, it, it has to be a default unattainable goal. And you know, again, the sort of like Twitter class, you know, again, like they, you know, we've created this culture of heroes, right? And again, like we, we, we have to, even the people who are at that status, they need to be pushing forward. Like, can they do more? Like you can always do more. It's hard. This should be hard. You know, we're trying to do something that is impossible. We're trying to meme this currency into the global reserve currency of the world. We're going to face every degree of opposition, <laughs> you know, and I think we need a value structure that helps us get there. So you know, uh, if you check out the article, I mean, I, you know, I tried to put everything in there that I, that I could think of. It seems like the conversation has been positive. Um, some people have, you know, really said that I should have got, cause it's kind of divided into like nine commitments that, <laughs> that, that Bitcoin maximalists have. And I guess I should have added a 10th. The religious faction really is upset at me because I didn't add a 10th. I actually didn't really even see the thing when I was doing it. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, we have to have a positive conversation about our values. And I think like these kind of things like shitcoin, like cults, like, uh, you know, everything is bad as fiat. You know, uh, I was saying this the other day where it's, you know, we're really critical of the other cryptocurrencies because they use all these fucking technical buzzwords. But we use social buzzwords like all the time. Like, you know, shitcoin is a social buzzword. It means nothing in the same way that decentralization used by the Ethereum people like means absolutely nothing. <laughs> you know, like they're just using a random buzzword. Uh, and I think we also need to fight against these in Bitcoin. Like, let's get rid of these like cultural buzzwords and try to focus on like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean by that? When you say that, what is what are you trying to say? Um, and I think if we can get better at that, uh, we can get better at again, like speaking positively. Otherwise, we allow people to define ourselves. And I think that's what the other kind of anti-maximalists have been so effective at doing is that they've they've allowed the whole of the kind of crypto world and the financial world to kind of see Bitcoin in a negative light. They've, they in Because we've kind of refused to define ourselves, they in turn have defined us uh, and they've defined us very negatively, right? And um, I don't think that's true. So, you know, that's why I'm here. Yeah, right. So, yeah, I think it is important as well. I mean, it, it does come into that conversation about not accepting, let's say, the frame that somebody else gives you, but choosing your own. And I think that's an important thing uh, rather than just kind of letting other people define who you are, define what your goals are. Well, no, like, you know, we all set our own goals and our own desires and aims. So I think we'll probably probably finish up there. So listeners, make sure you check Pete's article. I'll put it in the show notes. It's over at Forbes, of course. Check out BitcoinMagazine.com. Follow Pete on Twitter at Pete underscore Rizzo underscore. Wow. 
Uh, and I think that's it, right? Memorize my Twitter handle. I love it. <laughs> yeah, man. Enjoy the conference. Yeah, I appreciate chatting and look, um, you know, it's great. It's great debate. I mean, I, hopefully we can continue it. I love the work that you've been doing on BitcoinMagazine.com, uh, you know, particularly the stuff around kind of credit lending and, and, and where that goes in Bitcoin. So I hope you kind of push our culture forward too. I mean, you know, I'm not an, I'm not an expert in Austrian economics, uh, ne- never have been, but we need people from all different different walks. So, you know, appreciate it, man. Fantastic. Well, thanks, Pete. Chat soon. Get the show notes at stefanlevera.com slash 410. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the Citadels. <laughs> <laughs>